0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carl Footy Club. It's Rory Sloane here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. It's pretty rare you can say that a player has been a premium in our sides for the better part of a decade and you enter that new season and still say they should do it yet again. But since 2015, as a defender, Rory Laird has been putting up premium level numbers for us and across our back lines. And most recently through the midfield has been one of the most consistent 100, 110, gosh, even 120 plus seasonal average performance. But in 2024, is he heading back to the heights of 2022? or is regression coming as the Crows' ascension seems to be on the way? We are talking about Rory Laird today. He is number four in my 50 most relevant. We are well and truly at the pointy end of this list. It's a conversation about who I think are the most relevant players, that ultimately it's a subjective list, but designed to start a conversation about important players that we must consider in 2024. And joining me on this podcast is fellow co-founder Rids, Mate, there has been no greater premium for us over these past few years that I think has graced our side across multiple lines. Yeah, wow. Rory is just what an incredible player and a fascinating prospect as we look to 2024.
1: Oh, mate. And he's, and let's, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. Super coach, you know, is great and everything else, but this is really a discussion about AF and DT today. And I know that your top 50 is across all the formats. Yes. So I just wanted to make sure everyone is aware that today's discussion isn't going to be really, Significant and significant for super coach. Oh, a more. Tune in, mate. Come on. Oh, well, I still want like <laughs> just to tune in because it's it is still like Led's great and super coach, he's just built for supercoach, isn't he? Yeah, like, he I mean, and we're gonna talk a lot of stats in the next, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. If I ramble a lot 40 minutes, um, and that's all relevant for super coach, yeah. Because it's contested ball footy, it's contested its efficiency of the ball going out, it's hard ball gets, everything else that goes through it, but we are really going to drill down massively on AF slash DT in this discussion a heap of stuff we want to get to because it's a bit easier
0: to extract elements of data from that. But as you mentioned, super coaches, we're going to talk about a lot about stoppage points, transition points, how did this crow's midfield shakes up? And really the big question, I think everybody's considering about Rory Laird. What's he going to do at the start of the year and at his price point, is there a little bit of fat on the bone? That it's worth starting him? Is he just going to hold his baseline that we're paying for? Is regression on the horizon? Those are the three really big caveats we've got to put over Rory's conversation for 2024 but just looking back the clock in 2023 for us a seasonal average of 116.8 in Supercoach a top score of 156 and 17 tons means he's coming in at a price point of 653,100 while he's got a career high score of 185 in that format he's just a touch over the million dollar mark in Dream Team and 14,000 off it in AFL Fantasy due to a seasonal average of a 109.2, 17 tons, also in that format, a top score of the year of 142 and 163 is a career high score. RIDS top five in the league in a bunch of different key indicators for us handballs, center clearances, and tackles, top 10 in the league for disposals, contested possessions, and effective disposals. Ever since he's moved into this Crows midfield midway through 2020, He's just been one of the best premium options for us because, as you mentioned, wins the ball in tight at stoppage, has no problem linking up through those transition elements of the game, just does it all, tackles, wins the footy, gets involved in all the score chains of the Crows. We'll look into this 2023 data in a bit more detail, but if you do kind of build the perfect fantasy player, Rory Led kind of ticks all those boxes for us
1: he's been an absolute superstar. So let's not undersell this. This guy came on as a rookie pretty much from the Crows list. And then he's come in and he's not only become an All-Australian halfback, he's gone into the midfield and absolutely, he just racks up the ball. He's just a ball magnet. Like, but there's going to be some elements we're going to discuss. But the thing is, if you, no matter what you do, all we're doing is throwing things out there. Yep. Make up your own mind. See, have a gut feel on this, okay, as you go through. But there's going to be a lot of stats. So don't turn off. Keep listening. There's a fair chance, and I'll give you a reason why you want to keep listening. There's a fair chance I'm going to stuff up probably 80% of the stats I'm trying to talk about. But let's see how I go, yeah? I'm
0: looking forward to that. Well, of those 17 tons he got last year in AFL Fantasy, seven were over 124, over 130, and that season-high score of 142. Just the one score under 80, that was that round one score of 57. We'll talk about that in a second. But still, despite that going against him getting subbed out of a game with injury precaution he still finishes 11th in afl fantasy for average and for total points so if you're down year, puts you as the 11th best player okay i I think i can kind of deal with that while in super coach of those 17 tons from that seasonal average of 116.8 Better conversion rate of hundreds to 120s, 10 over 120, four over 140, two monsters over the 150 plus marker. And again, that round one score of 50, just the only score under 80. He ranks seventh in Super Coach for total points, fifth amongst midfielders, and he's also in that top handful for averages across that year. Let's talk about that round one game. Uh, it's his lowest AFL fantasy score since 2015, and his lowest SuperCoach score since 2014. Is it as simple to say, Rids, that round one score in that 30-plus degree heat, at, uh, GWS up in Sydney was—is that just an anomaly, or is that being too generous towards Rory?
1: No, I think um, he even said it himself on the Traders Pod the other day. He pretty much said he was heavily affected by the heat. They, of course, GWS applied some tactical. Um, accountability to him around the stoppage and there's no wonder why this guy is a stoppage beast but I'll just throw this at you okay mate. we're talking about the he's ranked number one okay for stoppage points per game for 2023 for the Crows Mm. yet in that game he's sixth mate out of 70% CBAs he only um, he was five point eight percent of his the points of stoppage points for the crows was Gosh. Rory Led's. That's just ridiculous, yeah. No, it's so it's an, what he normally does, yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, like across the board. Because you think about it, we've always been thinking about CBAs seventy percent CBAs in that time frame. That's quite okay. Like that's just not Rory led There was there's elements to it whether it's an outlier, whether it's not, make up your own mind for that. But don't forget, he pops back round two and scores 140-odd, you know, in AFN fantasy Season high possession,
0: right? Yeah, goes 140 and super coach as well. So it, it clearly didn't impact him too much beyond that. It wasn't like, I know the narrative there was, do I trade, do I hold? Is he cooked for the coming week? Well, he showed really, really quickly that
1: no, he's not cooked at all. And the other thing that I want to highlight just now is, I mean, I've done it myself, Rodio. I've gone dry weather football, the balls bouncing around. I've heard said it plenty of times. Led still averaged 60 points per game, stoppage points per game, you know, over the first six to eight rounds last year. So that's when the weather is dry. He actually has good history, as you said before, of being able to get out and find those transition points as well as the stoppage. So, I think that pretty much says to us, okay, yeah, that's probably a fallacy. That's probably just a make-believe thing. And we're probably heavily influenced on that round one game that we're talking about due to the heat. We know over the past
0: couple of years, like he's averaged over eight tackles per game over the past two seasons, but I'm pretty sure in 2022, he he broke records in terms of how many tackles he got, not just in a match, but over the season was top five, as I mentioned earlier in the episode in this area. So we do sometimes have this confirmation bias where we go, he's great at tackles. The game slows down as the weather gets worse. Therefore, I'll start. Looking at lead as an upgrade option because of that. But as you mentioned, no, 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 no. It's not as simple as that. But we did see a little bit of regression in a few elements for Rory Laird last year. If we take the anomaly that not only Rory himself, but as you mentioned, statistically, gives us that confidence we're not just extracting a data point to suit a narrative, but rather we're suiting it to give us confidence for what is a truer baseline. We did see a few things really fall away. His overall fantasy and super coach numbers did see a bit of a cliff in comparison to what was a really high level in what he did in 2022. But he still dropped four possessions per game while the other key metrics kind of held. But what you've done, guys like a Jaden Popowski have done in the preseason, um, have really given us a greater level of understanding of data and where these data points are coming. So talk to me about 2023 Rory Led and 2022 Rory Led, that stoppage point element that you've mentioned. Where did that change come? And did we see a change for Rory Laird from where he got his stoppage points in 2022 to 2023?
1: Okay, so in 2022, Laird averaged 67 stoppage points a game, okay? He averaged 120 across the course. So that's 55%, okay? So 65% of his points for game is stoppage points, I hope that makes sense. Did that mm-hmm. make sense? MJ? Yeah, yeah. So you're 10 seconds in, but you're going okay. Okay. Now, last year, just to relate this, he had 63 stoppage points on average a game, but his average was 109.2 for the season. That equates to 57.69% of his and This overall is AFL score. fantasy
0: and dream team scoring, but there are parallels for Supercoach.
1: Yes, correct. And that's why I was saying it's going to be very heavy focus on that, but there is a bit of takeaways from it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to relate this. Okay. So 63 on average a game, that's massive MJ. I'm going to explain to you just how massive this is. The top five stoppage points average per game players across the whole league last year, Bontempelli. At number one at 66, Toronto at number two at 65 average. Laird is third yeah, okay wow. at 62.4. Sarong is fourth at 62 and Libba's 59 point3 is rounds out the top five now i I reached out to Jade and I've just got to give Jaden a shout out here, okay. Even if you talent, haven't followed Jade Radio, I recommend you do. I've got no chance of saying his surname properly, but I'm going to try it anyway for a bit of humor, okay, for the stats. Jaden oh, no. Popowski, absolute. He's been everywhere, okay, the last couple of weeks. He's on every pod. He's everywhere. I know Vams has reached out to him multiple times. I definitely have. Um, the guy is just so accommodating. I actually reached out. Five minutes before we started this recording, and asked a couple of other questions, and then he's responding back to me straight away because he knew I was doing this pod. Yeah, but he came back with the greatest stat. Now, I just want to go back to it 67 average stoppage, point, stoppage points a game in 2022, 63 an average stoppage points for 2023. Mm. Jaden just told me there was one in 18 players who have gone 55 or more stoppage points on average a game, have not regressed the next year. That means 17 out of 18, MJ, not just a random. They get less the year after. And we saw that already with lead from 2022 to 2023. So that's the first thing, okay? (laughs) I then wanted to come back and then what I did was we've talked about market share. Yes. We've talked about market share plenty. So there's a gentleman out there in this world of fantasy called Rowan he's been great enough to join forces with DFS Australia with Mort and he's got actual market share information on DFS Australia. If you don't recommend if you don't actually follow it or don't know of it Go out and have a look because this is really important. This is about the players' percentage, their market share percentage of the team points per game. It's brilliant. Okay. It's absolutely brilliant because it gives you a bit more understanding. So if you had the stoppage points discussion that we just had and you had the market share, You could probably relate the two and actually come up with more. And just don't forget either, MJ, it was only three or four years ago, we only had CBA data. Like, yeah, the guys at the Draft
0: Doctors initiated the data analytics point, and it's now just expounding further and further in the community, which for us in the fantasy community is super helpful understanding the game.
1: Now, I just want to highlight the market share, okay? Laird's market share percentage last year was ranked number one for the Crows over the last eight games, okay? And that was that 7.01, which is – I think it was five of those games because um, mm-hmm. he missed the round 19 Round matchup. 19 when Crouch came back. When into Crouch the came side. back. Yeah. So he averaged 114 over those last five games with Crouch in the side. So he's averaged, just averaged, uh, what was it, five points more a game? Yeah,
0: it's about five points per game more in AFL Fantasy um, based on what his price point is and about three points per game over his price point uh, based
1: on what he did in Supercoach over the entirety of the year. So that's 7.02% off market share over that time when Crouch was in the team. He was also ranked number one for Crows with the market share percentage per time on ground over 2023. Now, that's significant to me, okay, because Led isn't a young man anymore. There is potential that time on ground does come down a little bit. Whether that means anything or not, we don't know because he can actually get the ball. He's a ball magnet, as I said at the start. Yeah, so he's that might mean he's a fresh Line in the midst. Yeah, he's a fresher guy. His points per minutes go up a little bit. That's perfect. But what Rowan called out to me, which I have to give him a huge shout out as well, was the significant upsize in or increase in team average points that the Crows had. Mm. So under Nick's 2022 the crows averaged 1448 points per that game AF, yep 20 yep not super coach this is all about DT and AF right yeah? so, 2021 is 1445. 2022 it went up to 1470. last year is the significant thing it jumped to 1576. that's an increase of 105.6 points a game made for the team. Well, I'll tell you how significant it is. That's the second highest by any team over the past six years. That's how significant it is. Massive. So depending on all of this information, that's where the market share comes in. So 7% of that average points per game was Royal Neds. And and does that
0: correlate because the Crows improved overall those three seasons prior of 2021-2022. They were a a basket case, certainly in 2020, and the rebuild of 2021 and 2022. So that doesn't shock me that they improved that um, statistical area. Now, that big of a jump, absolutely, we need to take note. But that's where I think coaches are looking at that. And it's interesting, isn't it? We can look at data and see both sides of a coin and feel justified, whether it's confirmation bias or not. I think people need to ultimately be a bit honest around, but you could look at that data jump and go, yeah, Crows got better. Of course they got better with this fantasy points or go, hang on a sec, this market share might not be sustainable as the Crows get better because of that element.
1: Well, I think it's a bit of both, yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's really its subjective to the play, uh, like the coach. However you see this, it could be, you know what? The team's just getting better. They hold onto the ball a lot more. They control the ball a lot more. There's more points on offer per game because they're just naturally better. And you think about it, mate. You're a Crows man. You've got Rankin. You've got Rich You've got a few really good good players that came into this team. Michael Hmm. Lenny in the back line. Yeah,
0: Dawson, you throw him in the mix. Yeah, Peddler.
1: Yeah, like Dawson into the midfield, 100%. Crouch is potentially coming back as a full-time capacity. Again, Hmm. that's all neither here or there. Yes. Yeah, well, this is the whole idea of it. You use the stats and then you go and frank the stats and watch the games and actually see what the outcome drives you to see. So that's why it's just important to understand. Now, Leg could very well be one the one out of the 18 players this year that Absolutely. actually moves his stoppage points up. And his market share might actually go higher. But for his market share to actually become higher, the team points either come down, which will then push his average up, or it goes up. Again. with the team points, you know, otherwise you need a lot more. 1576 is a reasonably bigish um average team points. Like
0: It's pretty significant. You, you talk about Matt Crouch. In the final five games of last year, he does go on an average of a 114 in AFL Fantasy and an average of 119.4 in Supercoach. So it's about... Three, four, five points per game of upside based on what he did in the season overarching, in contrast to that. But we've got to come back to this start of year of Matt Crouch. And because I think there's this conversation which has often been misled by the tackle tactic, but the data does give some narrative to it. If you look at what Laird has done. In the first six games of the past three seasons, I've kind of thrown twenty twenty out because he wasn't a pure midfielder for the whole year, but also all the variances of shortened quarters, the waiting in Supercoach, the shortened games, and the ADPABCVs, whatever the multiplication of letters and numbers was, I just don't care for it. Here's what he did in his first six games of the past three years across the formats, what he did from round seven onwards, And then the contrast point to what he was priced at or what he delivered for us that year. In 2021 in AFL Fantasy, first six games, a 105.1. The rest of the year goes at a 114. He's priced at for us with a total season average of 111. In 2022, a 109.6 over the first six games of the year. 124 over the back half of the year. And he's at a 120.3 at a seasonal average. Then last year, including that 50-odd score across the format, 100.6 in the first six games, a 112 across the rest of the year, and a seasonal price point of 109. Remembering, crouch in the side, he goes at 114 in AFL Fantasy for Supercoach. This is what he does over this past three his First six games, a 104 average, 120.5 from round seven onwards, and a seasonal average of 116. 2022, 119, he goes over those first six games, a 131 over the remaining part of the year and a seasonal average of 127, while just last year in 2023, again, including the unicorn once in a career score, a 111 Supercoach average in the first six games, a 118.8 in Supercoach from that point onwards to the rest of the year, meaning a seasonal average of a 116.8 And that five games of Matt Crouch are 119.4. So I think it's this interesting point for us with Rory Laird is statistically we would look at the first six games of the year and go, Laird's never gets to the heights of what he does for the season beyond. But we look at the price point he's at now, throw the Matt Crouch elements in there, and we're not paying up for the 120-odd that we did the year prior that's where i do think some in the community are still going i still feel like with lead if i'm gonna pay up for a premium midfielder he feels like the safest of the lot that even if i do see a little dip i'm probably not paying for it as much as i might have over the previous two seasons
1: and you did brilliantly the- MJ, because you know that I had a bit of an internet issue. (laughs) That's why I dropped out mid-sentence just before. And you covered that beautifully and through. You vomited a lot of stats out there in one breath. That was amazing by you. I just want to call out, the Crows were the fourth highest on team points on average, okay, last year, and at 1576. So they are very high already. Now, back to your question, what does that mean for lead? I actually think it's not the dry weather we've actually gone and we're going to break it down. I don't think it's the fact that, Hey, I'm a stoppage player when it's dry weather, the ball's bouncing around more. I get more tackles. I get more stoppage points. I get more contested. I don't think that's the case. I just think it's actually Ned's fitness and the endurance that the beast has yeah. that actually makes him just as effective when he's getting tired and people around him are getting tired as the season prolongs. So that's what I believe it is. I can't, I don't have any stats to back that up, but I just wanted to throw out there cause I have, and I was, I'm guilty of it. Yeah. I have thrown that, you know, that, out there that dry weather versus lead. I actually don't think that's the case. I think the game slows down and that helps the lead style. Yes, but that's where his endurance and his fitness comes in because he is a beast. Without question. But, okay, with all those stats, and I sort of lost interest halfway through, sort of didn't hear half of her. There was a lot of stats, okay? You know what it does tell me? Yeah. You've missed Matt Crouch in your top 50, mate, this year. I Still don't know if he's best 22, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair, that's why this is a subjective and objective exist, yeah. Correct. Yep. But right now, let's just say you've let's had a assume bad. he's in, yeah. You've had a shocker, yeah, but that's yeah. all right. We mean, you know what, you do enough for the community. We I'm were allowed, allowed one bad day,
0: okay. Good well, to know. it's
1: been one bad day in the last decade, so you're okay. doing
0: all right, okay. All right, I'll take
1: that. So, anyways, if you're going to ask a question and it's Directed at me, maybe shorten, less is more, mate. Don't throw all these, because I lose interest. There's a red car that drives by, whatever else, I get lost, okay? So, yeah, so what was your question? What do you want me to answer for you? My question
0: is this. With the last five games of data of Crouch, and then what he did at the back seven, from round seven on to the end of the year, basing, though, the trend of the last five and the three years of what he's done, He's actually priced at a space where I think coaches can feel that he doesn't just hold what we're going to pay for him, but there's a potential for some upside. Might not be much, but I think coaches could feel validated in that. Again, basing it on what he's priced at, what he did with Crouch, and what he does historically over the totality of a year.
1: My question is this. My stats no. just told you, okay. This is a guy that scores 55% to 60% on stoppage points. Mm. Rodeo, that's not going up. Like mm. there's one in 18 that regress from 55 or more, okay, stoppage points on average a game. Straight away, that's one. Number two, the total team points is 1576. Okay, that's fourth in the league, MJ. I don't believe that's got much scope for improvement either. Laird's already got 7% roughly on average on through that period you were just talking about. I just don't think it's going to continue. I think it's more likely for people to expect, hey, look, he's priced at 110 in AF and Dream Team. Great. You know, Perfect. Don't go expecting 120. Those days are probably gone because totally Adelaide's much better as a team and Lead is not as required to fill hmm. the gaps to be, be a better team, if that makes sense, because there's a lot more around him. It's a Dawson. And it's not just Crouch, but he's part of it. Yeah, he's part of the parcel. It yes. might be that some games of football, they need to inject some speed into that midfield. Yeah, it's peddler,
0: Rankin, Rochelle, absolutely.
1: They're the guys, okay? Saligo. Like yeah. all of these, they're still going to have to find the next Rory Led, Laird because Led's not young anymore. Yeah. I'm not saying he's old in the tooth and he's past it and I'm going to retire him. No. What I'm saying is they still need to give the young guys that, because I believe Adelaide, and I, I think Louis said it the other day on one of the pods, I can't remember which pod, Adelaide's an outside chance here for a top-four team. They've, they're past the rebuild stage. They're actually in the, here we are, we're coming. Like you think about Carlton a few years ago, we're coming, okay? If Adelaide don't play finals this year, they're going to be very, very disappointed. Like, I just don't see the upside for on any of that. Well, yep. Laird and Crows outside of the ladder in their performances as a team.
0: Yep. I, I think that's the beauty of Laird, is if you want him and you don't start him, the pro- if he becomes a, a, drops that $50,000 in AFL fantasy, $80,000 or thirty to $50,000 in Supercoach, I can see a lot of people within the community, Rids, wanting to trade into him. If, uh, as you've said, they just find a narrative reason for, not nah, I'm not going to start him, which again, absolutely perfectly fine for you to do. It becomes really hard to then be able to prioritize him over some others, because I think a lot of people get the value in our teams in the first six, seven weeks, absolutely no problem. But here's what happens as we enter into round seven. All the buyers are done up until round 12. So we're now got this clear, clear air space of two months where we can pretty much know that barring injury or suspension, everyone's available. We're about to enter in an allocation of DPP, so we'll see who's picking up defensive and forward status that are going to become a prioritization for us. If we've gone the value ruck approach, whether it be a Grundy or a Cherry, we're now thinking of ways when and how do we get into a Marshall, an English, or is Gorn going to stay and be one of those top end guys? Maybe you've faded a Dacos because you're worried about the buys and potential tag points, and then there's those premium mids that you'd probably really consider had they not had some early buyers and one of those guys for example is a, a tom green or a potentially peak priced marcus bontembelli that you're thinking you'll get some value i've just listed 10 different scenarios that are all coming to you at this log jam approach of round seven and rory laird feels like a weird priority in the mix of that and all of a sudden if you don't address him or other priorities there he'll get to the point into the year where you almost can't pick him.
1: And I think that's right. And I think there's other elements. I think you've absolutely nailed that, mate. Because often at times we go, you know what, we're just going to base this on something that really suits the narrative we want to get through. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, I've just spent the last 20 minutes telling you why he's likely to regress. But guess what? Let's look at the flip side now. Why should you own him? You know what? You've just said it beautifully. Who do you prioritize over a lead or a day cost or the other non starters, whether it's a Bontempelli? You had that beautiful discussion with Kane the other day about who, how do you prioritize the upgrades? You know, like, that's in itself. How do we match that to the when the fixture opens up? Sometimes, and you know this from years ago, yeah? Sometimes mm. it's just easier to start these guys and then just to work with what you can. Because I want to highlight another thing, okay, which is really, really important. Now, we've mentioned Jaden quite a bit over the course of the, this episode and the year. And everyone mentions Jaden. Now, mm. he's a rock star, Okay but on this on his website he's got this worthwhile averages and what he's done is he's actually weighted it from the starting price of how high you are in that list as a keeper for the year and i i said the k word yeah the rotten k word <laughs> but there it is it's a premium that you keep for the whole year that's the intention behind sure. it whether that happens or not who cares but the thing is Laird's worthwhile average is 113.1 for this year in AF and Dream Team. Okay. That's very much in the realms of possibility for land. Question. And let's look at market share. That's a market share of 7.17. And we already know he's done 7.02. And that's if Adelaide maintained that 1576 team points and average a game. Well, that's what I'm sort of saying. None of this is unrealistic, is it? No. Like no, it's a very and guess what easy what world. You also have you have a captain option, MJ. Week in, week out. Week in, week out. But don't expect him. This is what I'm sort of saying. Don't expect him to go jump into that his 120s again in these heyday. He might do it over a smaller stretch, a smaller sample size. I think it's unlikely myself. But I mean, if you're big on him, none of these stats should scare you off, because it's really, this is why he's relevant, yeah? This is, what number is he? Four? Number four,
0: yeah. He, he I is, mean, of all
1: our premium, pure midfielders, I've got him at the top. Mate, if he was an absolute laydown down bizarre, he would be probably a little bit lower. You do think about young discussion that you had with Monk the other day, okay? Mm. Absolute laydown down bizarre, He's an absolute no-brainer in defence. He weighs seventh, sixth in the list. This is probably where we find lead. But the problem is, and I said it the other day to you, mm. whether he sucks or whether he pops, he is relevant no matter what. And this guy is relevant everywhere. And we're picking, we're we're trying to pick these arguments apart as we go through. Yeah, the thing is. The AF, and again, this is why I wanted to start, I said it wasn't super Coach because Coach has got that 3-3-0-0 dynamic and mm-hmm. everything else associated. This is why it's heavily weighted to AF, because what do we hear at the start of every single preseason? Value. That's mm-hmm. all we hear is value. You need to get a guy that's going to outshoot his yeah, price You know, whether it's 10 points, 15 points, whether it was like what we said the other day with Zach Williams, 30 points, it doesn't matter. But that's what your goal should be for the majority. But there is a captaincy option. There is a draw that is a variable. There is who... Do we prioritize? I bet mean, you came up with this crazy saying a couple of days ago, prioritization organization, I think you said in one of these. Allocation, parts. but I'll,
0: I'll go with the organization. Yeah, too. but that the thing
1: high. is, okay, we're making up terms now as we go. Well, I've made up terms all for the last 20 years, yeah? So we might as well just make it up as we Why go not? along. Like, But the fact of the matter is what you get as an output needs to heavily favor or like outplay the risk associated with the price tag if that makes sense Laird does not have that risk unless he has an outlier game like last year of round one that's what's evident okay and whether you don't believe it's possible or whether you do it doesn't matter that's what's going to happen he only dropped a certain suspicion. Like fifty, hundred grand, whatever it was. It was if that's negligible, all it takes though. If that, yeah. And you go, I can buy into him at round four or round six. But mm. guess what? We talked about it with Zach Merritt the other day, and we're probably. I haven't heard whether Dacos is actually in the fifty yet or not, but he's, I'm not, yet suspecting, been hell, he's not there yet. Oh he's he, not there we're yet. at number 4 aren't we? So what a surprise he's gonna maybe uh, be a conversation he's, in the he, next three. He's on the podium, mate. Yeah, radio Well, there you go. There's cat out of the bag, yeah. Well he's in the top. But three. guess what they all have? Round fifteen, mate. Round fifteen by hugely hell.
0: helpful for us. Like we look at a Laird as we come towards the end of the episode and talk about drafts. If you choose not to start in because you're like, I want to see Ridges unpack this stoppage and transition points and total points and market share. Uh, you know what? I want to see a little bit and then I'll make an upgrade decision. He's relevant because if you're right, that it does have that impact point, you're getting a guy who's got absolute ceiling potential at a real nice price point And you've done well equally. If you start him and he holds that pathway, it's relevant because now you've arguably overpaid for the output of what you're getting. Conversely, You look at that captaincy option where he plays every game right through to that round 15 buy. And for those 14 weeks, he is a vice captaincy and captaincy option for you every single week. You put that Matt Crouch scoring stat over the price point. You look at what he's priced at versus what you think could be a really easy pathway to at least hold. Now you talk yourself into starting him. A player's relevance isn't linked to they're a great scorer or a crappy scorer it's linked to the impact they're going to have on yeah but MJ
1: when we talked about coming up with a name for this series I I don't know how long ago eight years ago nine years ago we wanted it to be ambiguous because really it's about the discussion of the player of course not where they're ranked in the list so that's the whole point well, it is for you because you spend I not for me. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, because I'm going to talk about these guys no matter what. So the agent, you're the boss. You go, hey Ruds, I need you over here. Let's have a talk about this guy. I go, yeah, radio. And then I go message JP or um, Rowan on Twitter, and I say, hey, but boys, can you get me this stat? I don't do anything, mate, radio. And then all I do is try not to stuff up the delivery of what I'm actually trying to explain. That's that's my that's me. But no. we we did this on purpose. We wanted an ambiguous title, relevant. And you know the best thing about the word relevant, whether you own them, whether you don't, it is all relevant, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just nailed it. Otherwise, it would be the top 50 slam dunk picks of 2024 or the top 50 top scorers or biggest recesses or whatever we want to do. But that's why this series is so brilliant, mate. Thanks, mate. Well, as we talk
0: drafts quickly before we wrap up this episode, based on what I think people are expecting and based certainly on what he's done historically for us, he's likely to be an M1 for us. Some will draft him as one of their first couple of mids off the board with some excitement. Others will pick a couple. It's pretty safe to say, Rids, when you get through to the turn on the midway through the second round of a draft, Rory Laird's off your board no matter what.
1: Yeah, he's an M1, mate. There's no... There's two crows at M1 this year. You just got a plan that you're going to have to get them. Now, it's going to be draft to draft. And we've spoken about this over the course of the journey. Yeah. But really there's four clear guys that I think is going to come really early and they, they're they all in the rucks. I think yes. there's four. Okay. and I think Dacos has got to be in that conversation, I whether it's so. a Bontempelli, but I tell you what, I wouldn't mind choosing a Rory Led or a Dawson or something in contrast to a Bontempelli if I didn't have a pick to take one of the other guys.
0: Yeah, you're getting that at the back to middle portion of that first round early into the second. Like, you're right. I'd I'd feel pretty comfortable about that. Mate, as always, an absolute pleasure. You've given us a a bunch of stuff to consider around the fantasy relevance about Rory Led. Thanks for jumping yet again on another episode, mate.
1: And just just remember, I did ramble, so it went over forty minutes or whatever I did do. But we didn't talk about Jordan Dawson. We didn't talk about tags. There's a whole heap of other stuff. So if you want to reach out, tag us, and I'm sure I'll be able to reply. Okay. And I mean, we we're going to be a little bit more um, accessible this year for AF and so on and so forth. Anyway, so yeah, just reach out anytime.
0: If you want to go back and uh, check out any of the other players, we've done an episode on the 50 most relevant so far, whether it be the audio podcast or where you've been watching this on YouTube, you can get in touch with us through those elements. Just subscribe to the audio podcast, wherever you get your podcast from and leave a five-star rating or jump over to YouTube, subscribe and make sure the notification bell is turned on. So as soon as an episode goes live, you'll get notified straight away. There's new content landing there every single day, even after we finish up the 50 most relevant. And if you do want to get in touch with us across social media, or you want to support us through the work of our Patreon and get bonus additional content, all the details for those things you can find in the description of this episode all right three players left to go you know the names but do you know the order there's one who's potentially the top of his tree the other who's a value guy that's been at the top of a tree and then one that's pushed towards the top of the scoring tree and is priced with a potential bit of value two of them in fact all three of them as good as a prospect they are do have an early buy. But how early is the buy round coming for the player in at number three? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.